It's our weekly podcast called CapCast. It's currently episode pi, and we deviated from our weekly schedule to discuss something extraordinary. So me, Jaden, and Nespar, say hi. Hey. Hi. We're all sent back into time. Once we came back, we really didn't speak much on it, but we all knew we had something in common. We all were sent back to the times of Archimedes, the father of math. We still haven't told each other about what we saw, so this episode will be extra special, and we will be all giving our raw reactions. I'm actually super excited to hear what they all went through, because I can imagine Jaden just screaming, having to sit and watch Archimedes do math. All right. So I went back to Archimedes' early life. So in the year 287 BC, in the island of Sicily, in the city of Syracuse, a man by the name of Archimedes was born to an astronomer and mathematician named by Phidias. Little was known about his early life, but we can assume that he belonged to nobility because it is likely that his family was somehow related to King Hiero II of Syracuse. You, you, did you just say he was, uh, his dad was uh, Phineas? Yeah, I did say that. Phineas a verb? No, bro. Phidias would it be. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, so as a child, he was really curious. And since his father was a mathematician, he likely asked a lot of questions and he questioned everything. He was interested in problem solving. And from a young age, he was doing math problems. But he's just different. Like, he's weird. What kind of kid sits there and then just does math problems? <laughs> he's built different. No, but he's boring. Like, he sat there playing with, like, right, so instead of, like, I don't know, playing with a ball or something, he was playing with the abacus. Like, counting. <laughs> That's not fun, bro. I was, I was watching that. I, I fell asleep in some parts of his life. Like, it was boring. Oh but, right, but after, like, his childhood, right, he got a little older, and he eventually moved to Alexandria in Egypt to continue his studies. Uh, likely because there was another Greek mathematician there named Eucalyptus. Eu- I don't even know his name no more. Uh, Euclid. Yeah, Euclid. Euclid. So he's a well-known Greek mathematician that lived in Egypt. And since he was there, Archimedes most likely heard about him and moved there to study. While he was there, he studied for a couple of years and then went back to Sicily to begin to invent machines and different inventions, like the screw that Ames about to talk about. That's actually, damn, imagine. Yo, I feel so bad for you, bro. I, I actually went back into a very interesting time. I went back to when uh, he created the Archimedes screw and the principles of hydrostatics. Um, it was actually really interesting when I was watching it from like a distance. So the king basically was having an issue with rainwater collecting on his ship. And so he called Archimedes to come help him. I was actually kind of surprised on how the king relied so much on Archimedes. But I was, I was even more surprised by uh, Archimedes' solution to the king's problem. So basically what he did, right, is he created a hollow tube, right, which had a spiral in it. It's bro, like wait, a, wait, wait, wait. If water yeah. is getting on the ship, how did King not sink, bro? I don't know. Is that, uh, like, is that was, just was, me? Or? I think the rainwater was just like falling out, I guess. But it kept collecting. And I got, and it was actually, it was kind of, it was really weird looking at it. Because like today, like that never happens anymore, right? You know what I mean? How is he not dead after that, bro? That makes no sense. I'm <laughs> so going to explain, bro. I got you. I got you. So what I saw, right, was he made a hollow tube and had a spiral in it. It's like kind of like an inverted, uh, inverted uh, screw. And basically what he did is he added a handle to the top of the tube. And when the water would collect inside the, the and like near the chip, the water would go into the screw. And he would turn the screw. And basically what would happen is every time he turns it, water flows inside the, inside the tube and it falls out onto the sea. And I was, and when I came back, uh, like, like last night, when I came back to our timeline last night, I kind of searched, I searched up, I did some research on it. And it actually turns out that it's still used today, which is actually really, really weird. So like oh, that kind of answers your question, like how, why? You a plunger. It's, kind of, it's, it's kind of like a plunger. It's kind of like a plunger, but it's really big. It's actually bigger than you think it is. All right, so how big? I'm, I'm talking like almost as tall as like a ship. Like almost like half as tall, like, you know, like a few feet. That's crazy, like, bro. Like eight feet, something like that. 
That's insane. Now, also, they, for some reason, they teleported me. They, uh, they sent me to uh, when he discovered hydrostatics. And I'm pretty sure this one's, like, directly uh, connected to where Isfar also went. Because now, because I, I can understand, I can understand, like, the principles of that. I don't, I, I don't understand it. So, it's called, it, so what he discovered is hydrostatics, or the Archimedes principle. It basically meant that the weight of an object placed in a body of water is the amount of water that will also be displaced. It's kind of confusing, right? Like, do you understand what that meant? Or like, no, bro, you got to simplify. So basically, for, so for example, right, if you put a two kilogram object into a container filled with water, the amount of water that falls out of the container is also two kilograms. Yo, Eman, how much you weigh? Uh, 400 pounds, the water's going to be like oh 400 God. pounds then, right? All right, bro. bro <laughs> yo, your, your nose is going to displace the seas. Come on now. So <laughs> when I came back to our timeline, right, I tried it out and it was actually true. I even, I, I consulted with some of the smartest physicists in the world and they confirmed it and explained to me why it works. And then when I looked back, it was the exact same thing that Archimedes had said involving buoyancy and stuff like that. So my story takes place in ancient, 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 so the story takes in ancient Greece a little more than 2000 years ago from today. King Hero the second of Syracuse, Syracuse decided one day that he wanted a new crown. I don't know why he wanted a new crown. Uh, maybe because his old crown had gotten out of style or something that wasn't that trendy for the time being. So he takes some pure gold that he owns and he takes the gold into pieces and he goes to the goldsmith. He says to him that he wants a new crown. So the goldsmith takes the gold and a couple of days later he delivers a beautiful new crown. So the, 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 the King Hero second loves the crown. He puts it on and he's like, in his mind, he's like, click a baller on this thing. But for one reason, the king gets a little suspicious. Maybe he just has some negative vibes from the goldsmith. And he was like, you know what? I think that the goldsmith uh, might have cheated me. And here's what King Hero II thinks. He thinks that the goldsmith might have, might have, might have used the gold and put some cheaper metal in and made the crown. Uh, and he kept some bars for himself. So he boot the king. Yeah, basically. That, he got balls for that, bro. Like, oh he did die for that. Exactly. So, as we know, Archimedes, he calls Archimedes, who's known as an incredible scientist, inventor, and mathematician in ancient Greece history. So, he calls him down to the royal court, and the king says to him, I have this crown. I'm not sure if it's made of pure gold. The goldsmith might have cheated me. And he asks him, how can we determine whether this is pure gold? So, Archimedes was a very sharp guy. He thinks about it for a while, and he comes, with, he comes up with the idea of density. He's like, we will figure out whether this is pure gold by using density. And density asks us how much does it weigh when a material fills a certain amount of space. Archimedes has to measure the mass of how much the crown weighs and the volume of how much the crown takes up. Then he can divide the mass by the volume, then get the density and check to see if it's actually gold. Now, the mass is very easy to determine. That's how much the crane weighs. So, so he's got to put the crown on a scale and he has to scale the volume. Though it's harder to scale the volume because of how much space the crown has. So he has to calculate the right amount and Archimedes really wants to do this. But to, the only way he could do this is by melting it down to a cube and like measuring from that. But that would just de defeat the whole purpose of the crown. Mm -hmm. So he tries to figure out a different way on how to do it. So he thinks and thinks and he just gets really bored. So he, go, he goes and takes a bath. And when he steps into his bath, he notices that the level of the water rises up as he gets into the bath. And then he makes a tremendous, and then he goes out of the of his bathroom and he goes out in the street, like screaming for the king. And he makes wait, bro, 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 wait. You said he was about to take a shower, but he left the bathroom. So wasn't he naked? Yeah, he was naked running. Hold up, hold up. The news. He was running on the streets naked. Yeah. So crackhead energy, bro. <laughs> Can't you get like normal? That? Yeah. Yo, imagine, imagine. 
imagine as far, as far as it's like watching it as far as watching it he just sees a grown man running down the street naked clearly this far was having fun down there if i was having Yo, fun, he's not he's not complaining or anything right he now he's not complaining bro he's not complaining or anything all right, so he makes the tre- tremendous discovery that he re- he realizes that as he gets into the bathtub, his body is pushing the water away. And he realizes the space that his body takes up, pushes the water up, up the bathtub. And so he, re- he realizes that to figure out the amount of space his body takes up or the volume of his body is all he has to do to see how much the water rose because they're actually the same amount. And he realizes that this is how he can measure volume. So isn't and that like is- the same thing as like what I saw too? Like, uh, yeah, like with hydrostatics, right? right? Yeah, with hydrostatics, right? Oh, so yeah, that's, where, that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. This cool. is something exactly. that we, uh, we do all the time. Like, yeah. We do this aware, bro. It's I mean, we do, it's buoyant force, is it not? Like, isn't it the yeah. same thing as buoyant force? So, like, submarines and ships, they use this. Oh. Isn't that it? Hey, man, you, you float in water, you just sink. Because you're kind of big, so I'm just asking. Hey, bro, hey, hey, that's kind of bullying me now. I'm not bullying. I'm asking, bro. We're talking about buoyant force. I, I, mean, I want to know if you're buoyant. I don't think so, because my, like, I have a lot of volume, you know, small mass. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> that means you're fat, bro. Hey, kind of means just we, fat. we use the volume chubby. We, we use the term chubby. I don't know, bro. Archimedes would have said you're fat, too. He would have said the same thing. Well, Archimedes does math as a four-year-old, bro. His opinion don't matter. His opinion don't matter. Actually, so if we talk about how he's doing math, right? Yeah. You remember how I was talking about how he's in Alexandria, bro? Yeah. This guy is so boring. So he's there, and he's, and he's calculating pi on an abacus, right? And I fell yeah. asleep. So I, I didn't even see what happened. And I had to copy someone's notes on this because I don't even remember what he did. But pretty much what he was doing over there was that he was trying to find pi. He was trying to calculate the circumference of a circle. So I was watching him. He was counting and drawing mad shapes and stuff. I was like, what? Like, he was drawing polygons. Like, what does that have to do with a circle? So apparently, he, what he did to find pi, which was the most accurate estimation of pi at the time, he pretty much drew a hexagon inside of a circle, right? And yeah. made all the points touch the circumference of the circle. So pretty much it was like the closest thing that could fill the inside of the circle with minimum space between the points and the circumference of the circle. So what he oh. did was he made it bigger, right? The, uh, the polygon. He made more sides on it. So he went from a hexagon to a heptagon and so forth and so on until he got a polygon with 96 sides. So he tried to minimize the amount of space between the perimeter of the polygon and the, and circle, the circle itself. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I understand that. Right. Oh, okay. You see? So what yeah, he did yeah. was he found the perimeter of the polygon, and then he said, all right, pi has to be at least the perimeter of the polygon right now inside of the circle. And then he made the polygon, like, just a little bit bigger so that now there's circles inside of the polygon, but not too big. So the yeah. points are still touching, right? Okay. So he said pi is at least the perimeter of the polygon within the circle, but no greater than the polygon outside of the circle. So pretty much the equation for that was uh, like, not really equation, but what he used to represent it was that pi had to be less than three and one seventh, but no greater than three and 10 over 71. And that in a decimal form is 3.1429 to 3.1408. At the time, this guy was a genius. Like that was the closest thing ever to pi. Exactly, like, it was too boring. Like I'm not watching him draw a 96 sided shape. That's lame. So. When I got the notes, I was looking at it and I was like, wow, like how do you even think of that? Because if I was if I was there, bro, I would have like got a shoelace and put it around the circle and then measured the length of the shoelace. But obviously that wouldn't be accurate, right? Yeah. But at the time, what he did was crazy, especially considering that they didn't have decimals at the time or even square roots. So it made it even harder to calculate things like these. And what he did what was he used ratios. So for example, 
the square root of three is like 1.73 something. Right. And yeah. the same thing is for 265 over 153, right? Yeah. So instead of just saying the square root of three, he pretty much had to use that fraction, 265 over 153. And that was 1.7320, while the square root of three is 1.7321. I mean, that's the closest he got, but he was still making pretty accurate assumptions from it. So he just, he figured out how, he basically discovered square root? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, in its most basic form he could, but he did. That's crazy. Damn. Wow. Can we uh, talk about the 3D circle that that he discovered, he calculated the surface of the 3D circle, which like compresses of four circles, laid together edge to edge, and then uh, calculating its surface area as well as its volume was not an easy task. But he, he came up with the equation of six pi r squared and the volume of two pi r, r, r third. But the creation of these formulas basically allowed us to easily calculate the volume of the surface of celestial bodies like the sun, earth, and the moon. So he basically like took what like Jaden saw like with the pi stuff and he used it to make a formula? Yeah, yes. basically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they helped us like find out the volume for celestial bodies like the planets. That's crazy. Like he, like a sphere, like he went from a circle then he advanced it to a sphere. Yeah. That's I mean, clearly he was thinking another dimension because how you go from a 2D shape to a 3D shape at the time. Exactly. I mean, they even have decimals and he's out there thinking on the third dimension. The third dimension. That's insane. But, but let's talk about how every time the king had a problem, he went to Archimedes. That's actually kind of crazy, you know. Like, he's the only guy there, but only Archimedes could fix this. I that's actually, like, they had something for each other, bro. Hey, okay, I mean, bro. In Sicily, that's actually, like, insane. Cause, no, because I'm pretty sure back then, around that time, Greece had a lot of homosexuality there. So I'm yeah. just suggesting. They, I don't know, bro. They might have been doing things. Over I read stories about it, too. I mean, the king could have killed him for running around the city naked. But clearly, he, he didn't have a problem with it. I mean, they helped a lot for the city. That's he true. covered many things there. He, let's talk about when like he defended against another another attack. Yeah. In, two, in 214 BC, under the command of the general Marcellus legions of the Roman army, they sailed to Syracuse and besieged the city, which had recently formed an alliance with Carthage in response to Archimedes. And Syracuse, the Uri, um, a lost fortress with, which sits high above the city of a people light, was uh, he put a lot of Archimedes designed, basically he designed a lot of war machines to keep the Romans at bay from the walls of the island. Archimedes guarded the city against sea attacks by projecting huge beams of wood to gouge the hulls of enemy ships. And Archimedes' uh, genius def defended the city of Syracuse for more than two years. Eventually, however, the Romans penetrated the great, Matic great magician's ingenious defenses and stormed the city. So about for like two years, like he had efficient defenses. Even the, even the enemy couldn't figure out like how he defended it as well. But imagine being the Romans and you're getting you're getting beat by a mathematician in well, war. Imagine pulling up and a tank is at your face. Imagine I mean, what are you supposed to do? Imagine pulling up in a ship from like a ten hour sea ride and your ship gets burnt, bro. Oh yeah, all right. They said some story. I'm pretty sure this wasn't true, but it's really interesting how they said he burned down the ship with a mirror. Yeah, yeah, I read like, about it too. Yeah. Like how big would the mirror have to be to even do that? Um, or unless there's like multiple mirrors that were smaller. I guess like how do you way. concentrate the sunlight onto the ship? Yeah, the ship would have to remain. Thing. The ship would have to remain stationary. Can't be moving himself. I'm I'm kind of skeptical of that though. Yeah, I wish I, mean, I was. But you only see that in movies. You only see that yeah. in movies, so it's not like that can actually happen. Oh yeah, it's hard. Didn't uh, Archimedes? Uh, he died uh, when the Romans. Yeah, he died. It, right? the, yeah, he died the same time. He died like he died the exact same time. Right. Yeah. 
So I was there. I saw it. I saw it happen. It was actually so it was really it was really funny, you know. So he like Ishar said, he repelled Archimedes repelled the Romans, enabling uh enabling Syracuse to survive the lengthy siege. But in two two hundred four BC, Marcellus prevailed and he took the city. But he had immense respect for Archimedes and he dispatched his soldiers to go retrieve Archimedes. Apparently, Archimedes was unaware that the enemies had invaded the city and it was, they were storming it. So he was actually really focused on his math problems. And bro, I was so bored. I was like, I was like, there's like soldiers all around here just focusing on math. Was called and then, bro. exactly. And then when a soldier went into his home and he demanded Archimedes accompany him to Marcellus, Archimedes refused. Like, he, bro, he refused to meet a Roman general. That's like, that's crazy. Yeah, he literally said, like, uh, let me work on my problem. Like, leave me alone. Yeah, and, and he, he got mad. Bro, I've been trying to tell you he was lame since a kid. Like, who sits there and does math problems instead of, he could have did anything else, but he spent most of his time doing that. And that's how he died. That's the same reason why he died. That's crazy. He refused, right? And the soldier, he, he hit Archimedes, and he and Archimedes died at 75 years old. He and him, the Roman general, right, Marcellus, he was greatly distressed, like, upon hearing the news of Archimedes' death. And he actually ordered that his enemy, Archimedes, would be buried with honor. And this is, like, the Romans we're talking about. Like, they loved war. But yeah, well, they the buried Romans Archimedes' honor. That's true. I mean, that just kind of showed just, like, how, like, insane Archimedes was. And, like, like his tombstone was engraved with an image of a spear within a cylinder and by the Romans. And, like, I, I, that just shows how amazing he was, you know? You know what you know happened what I mean? to the soldier that did that? Nah, do you? No. I didn't watch anything else after that. I just saw him debate. They should have probably... You think he got killed? Honestly, they should have not, not killed him. They should have kept him, and they probably could have used him. Like, no, it's just that soldier's fault, yeah. It's the soldier's fault. I assume he got killed, right? Executed? He should have. I mean, you know, the king was madly in love with Archimedes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, so after that, like after that, I came back to our timeline, and I, I think Bro. we all came back to at the same time, right? No, yeah. I would I would have stayed right to see like his whole oh, entire life. Well, I had to use the bathroom, and if you've seen the bathroom back then, it was clearly not up to date. You know what I'm saying? Well, at least to what I've seen, because I'm not peeing outside and stuff. That's, yeah, that's I'm not a dog. So I, I was holding it the whole time, but I had to come back because I was not getting caught over there doing that. Well, this was pretty interesting, don't y'all think? Doing these. Yeah, my community was insane. No, I mean, well, your parts of his life was interesting, but mine was really <laughs> boring. Bro, you should, yo. <laughs> All right, I think it's time we end it, right? So yeah. thank you. Thank you, everyone, thank for you tuning, tuning in, in. to CapCast. So I'm your host, Eamon. These are my fellow colleagues who were also sent back in time, Jaden and Isfar. Um, so, my name is Isfar. <laughs> so we hope you guys tune in next week. We'll be back on schedule next week. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm not coming back next week. <laughs> <laughs> coming All right. back. Thank you, guys. We hope you have a good day and goodbye.